welcome to the third bonus episode or hidden histories. I am one of your hosts, Joe, and I'm joined by my beautiful wife, Mary. Hey guys, bonus episode. You switched up a little bit there. Don't call me out. I'm going to try to switch it I out. Won't, I, I won't. I hate the hangings. Uh, freedom foil podcast, I should say, if for whatever reason you're, you know, tuning in and this is the first one you catch, I guess. Yeah. But welcome. <laughs> welcome to our weird little show on the internet. Uh, so we do these hidden histories episodes. Uh, or I should say hidden history episodes every 10th episode. So yeah, every 10th regular episode. The last one was episode Winkle. 30. Uh, oh, you're oh, saying yeah. the last... Yeah, the last hidden histories we did was at episode 20, and that was on Waco. And then the one before that was on Ruby Ridge. And Both like... Probably two of our top episodes we've With, ever done. Without a doubt. You guys love these Hidden History episodes, and we just did episode 30. Side note, uh, tomorrow is a few tomorrows later, because I said in the last episode, <laughs> we're good to go tomorrow. I knew we shouldn't have done that. I knew it, and I like as you were saying it, I'm like, that's not happening. And, and <laughs> one of our best listeners made a comment and said, hey, I want an apology on oh, shoot, really? live, and he oh, didn't shoot. want me to use his name, so I'll just say, you know who you are. Here's your shout out. I'm, so I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that I'm really tomorrow, sorry. Because he, he came in um, and was like, hey, uh, you said tomorrow. We are Ooh, now a few tomorrows. Called out. <laughs> a few tomorrows after tomorrow, and I'm like, <laughs> you know. The funny thing about tomorrow is... Uh, it's it, not tomorrow. It's not tomorrow. <laughs> so, Shout out to that person for being such a loyal, loyal fan <laughs> that they were listening to the episode timely enough that they were like, wait, what the hell? Where's this What's episode? going on? And there's many other incredible listeners. You guys are, are awesome. Yeah, and this I, is a fun little community. Well, I say it all the time. Like People from all over the place... like mention it to me like you know that they love don't the make podcast us and... sound like we're no i'm not saying all over the world oh, i'm we're saying people globally no, like I'm where the hell people you know around that that know us personally i will really say enjoy the i will say the coolest thing that ever happened to me was joe and i were at um some like something that was going around on locally it was the like an great event. american outdoor show okay cool yeah yeah so we were at the great american outdoor show and um we ran into a buddy of joe's and I, I went to introduce myself, of course, because I had never met him. And he was like, oh, I know who you are. And I'm like, what? It's a cool feeling, it's right? It's so surreal. It's like, oh, wow. People actually listen to this? Because when do. you're recording it, you don't you don't like think about people like no. in their cars listening on the way to work. Like you just don't think about and it. And many of our listeners truly like get hyped up for these episodes. It's cool that you guys yeah, really you know, enjoy it. <laughs> so... This one was by popular demand. What are we talking about today? We are talking about the Killdozer. Uh, What's the official name that you wanted to use? I mean, you know, there's no official name. Marvin Haymeyer just, you know, no, built but a you tank, said something you know, other than Killdozer. Tread but, on them. Yeah. Which isn't really, you know, a proper name for an episode. I think Killdozer I... is is better. Little background. So Joe and I actually watched. I was first introduced to this guy, this Marvin John Hemeyer. Hemeyer. I think it's Hemeyer. It's H E E. 
Haymeyer, I think is how he says Haymeyer? it. Haymeyer? Haymeyer? Why would H E E Meyer be pronounced Haymeyer? I don't know. I'm I, saying, I feel like it's I'm saying Joe is sassy today, guys, so just warning you. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I was inter- first introduced to this topic via a documentary on Netflix. Yeah. I, ugh, we should have looked up the name. I'll post it on our stories. Very great documentary. I think that was named Killdozer, if I remember it right. Wa- and it was on Netflix, wasn't it? Uh, we'll find I it. I think it was on Netflix we'll or maybe find it was it. on Hulu. Yeah. I can't remember because I feel like it was like an HBO thing. Uh, I, don't I don't know. I can't remember it at all. It was pretty good. It wasn't bad. They gave a bunch of uh, I thought it was good, really good. good excerpts from his audio tapes. And, they and there's information some, in that documentary that wasn't in the articles that you pulled. A lot. Yeah, there's a lot of information in there that is is not in a, a bunch of the documentation out there. Like anecdotal stuff about yeah. girlfriends and people. I don't know that that's anecdotal. Not I anecdotal, mean, but you know what I mean? Like secondhand, maybe? I don't think that's right. <laughs> We're just saying words but, now. No, and uh, you know, I I had a bunch with this hidden history. I kind of always like to do something that you know is hidden, and a lot of people don't know about. And it's kind of more so we do Ruby Ridge and Waco. Well, no, but it's you know what mainstream kind of doesn't want you to go into. It's not so much though hidden. It's like things that were kind of like not forgotten either, but like kind of buried, like you know that don't really get as much. Tension, I guess you could say. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, I, I do agree. And with this, you know, I wanted to do either the Battle of Blair Mountain or the Battle of Athens, Tennessee. But you know, a lot of you guys were like, "No, dude, do the killdozer, kill do the killdozer." So here we are. This was one. I, I don't know if it was really on my radar for a hidden history because it's so well known. Mm-hmm. It's so like kind of uh, well known, and I didn't know um, about it before the documentary. I knew about I remember, it long before uh, congr- the documentary. Here we go. Here we. He does this every. <laughs> e- well, I knew about it. No shit, you knew about it. No shit. That is the That's basis. That's the whole of our, basis our... of this podcast. <laughs> Is I know nothing and you know everything. Well, you know, sometimes but, it be like that. <laughs> I'm gonna give them the real technical. Like, we'll obviously start with the wiki page, but yeah. The so Marvin Hemeyer was born October 28th, 1951. He was an American. I like how they say this. He was an American automobile muffler repair shop owner <laughs> who, following a dispute with town officials, demolished numerous buildings with a modified bulldozer. And this occurred in Granby, Colorado on June 4th, 2004. Hemeyer had been feuding with the Granby town officials, particularly over fines for violating city health ordinances after he purchased a property with no sewage system. Over about 18 months, Hemeyer had secretly modified a coma... Komatsu. Komatsu. No, the way way you said it, you're like, Komatsu. Oh, God, you stupid woman. (laughs) Komatsu D355 or D355A. Watch, I messed up how you say that. Yeah, everyone's like, you're wrong. (laughs) Bulldozer, which I will say an anecdotal fact because this is anecdotal. He got that bulldozer at an auction. Via yeah. the documentary, well, that's we not learned anecdotal. That. That's fact. Wait, you got it. Anecdotal doesn't mean it's fake. <laughs> no, anecdotal. Wait, is do you like, think anecdotal means fake? No, we're about to, dude. We're about anecdotal to, means like, oh, just also, we're about just a to little bust anecdotal. This open right here. Oh, please, I will. I will. Can't wait. Really? 
Please read that fucking definition. No, because where are you reading it from? You ready? Where are you reading it from? Not necessarily true or reliable. Anecdotal, because based on personal accounts rather than facts or research. The fact that he bought it from an auction is fact and not anecdotal. Okay, so anecdotal is more like <laughs> my dad and I went to go see this bulldozer. No, in the- anecdotal is like I, I'm no. pretty sure that that is where he bought it from because I thought I heard him tell me that. You know that what? That would be anecdotal. I don't want a divorce. No. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know, sometimes it be like sometimes that. Sometimes it be like that. <laughs> So anyway, he did, for a fact, get this bulldozer at auction, which I think is very interesting. You could just go to an auction. I mean, I guess that's where you can go get used construction equipment. But so this guy goes to an auction, gets this bulldozer, and then takes it into one of his like buildings on his property and is adding layers of steel, concrete, and intended to serve it like that intended to serve as armor, basically building a tank. Without a doubt. A thing straight up was a tank. Um, I don't know how much further I should be going for the, with this overview, but... Well, maybe we stop there because the rest of it kind of gets into the rest of the topic. Yeah. So what what did you want to talk about first? Well, so yeah, Marvin lived in Grand Lake, Colorado, which is about 16 miles outside of Granby, Colorado. Um, and according to a neighbor of his, he might moved to town more than 10 years before the incident occurred. I thought this was interesting. Where did he move from again? Did I don't know. I can't remember But either. it's interesting. They say in this um, wiki page, they have an anecdotal oh, piece about- Oh, he was about... born in South Dakota. <laughs> he didn't catch that, guys. <laughs> what? Oh, you asshole, dude. <laughs> he was um, born in South Dakota. Okay, cool. I've never, I have never met anyone that has was from South Dakota or North Dakota. Never. There's a conspiracy that because They're you've not never real. met anybody from there that it doesn't exist. Actually, I think uh, where was it? No, Finland. the girl from Finland. Team Island. It was Finland. <laughs> the conspiracy is I'm... Finland because <laughs> the conspiracy what? online was. Uh, Finland's you, not real. Have you ever met anybody from Finland? Yes, I've met it. All right, I'm pretty sure it's called Finnish or Finnish. Finnish. <laughs> Let's talk to our Finnish friends. No, but there is a girl from 16 and pregnant that's from South Dakota, I believe. Okay. Have you met somebody from <laughs> Finnish? No, but I'm just saying right. South so Dakota. it doesn't exist. Okay. Finland is a lie. I know some. What I've worked with people. I definitely have. Is false. Oh, my God. This is going to be a long episode, guys. But um, no, I was going to say it was interesting in the article because they mentioned that he didn't have any relatives in the area. Like it, I, I forget in the documentary why he moved there. I think, well, I will say he really liked um, snow sports. Like, he oh, really that's liked right. He, snowmobiling. Yeah. And I think he moved there just to get better snow. But I thought I, there was a bunch of snow in South Dakota. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. there's definitely snow in both. But I, I think... Um, Maybe just to like start over, get away. I guess you don't really need an excuse to like move, but he moved. um, And uh, most people in the area, and this is where we'll kind of bring in the documentary as well, described him as a likable person. I wanted to bring in kind of what the, um, what I remember of the girlfriend, his girlfriend at the time talking about. So he had a very like normal relationship um, with this woman. She had, I think two kids of her own. And they yeah. were older at the time that they were dating, probably in their like late forties, early fifties. Yeah. So um, they didn't have any kids. They didn't get. They didn't ever get up. End up getting married. But she always talked. She kind of gave her like description of him, like a happy, you know, go, normal. Yeah, guy. normal dude. Yeah. Had hobbies on the side. 
Um, he himself didn't have any kids or ex. I don't think obviously ex-wives. a fairly good fabricator. Uh, yeah. When as far as it came to his profession and all that. Good oh, stuff. like welding. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, um, she seemed really normal in the documentary as well. She, I think yeah. she was Australian, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 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 I'm pretty sure. But she said he was really good with her kids and like everyone got along really well. And well, we we got to go into what began pushing this guy to not, you know. Right. Maybe act like everybody else anymore. I know. I just wanted to. St- I wanted to start with that because the the wiki page kind of just like gla- glosses over the whole likable person thing. Like Without you have to understand, this guy was a very normal dude. He was a normal small yeah, business and he got owner. Pushed past the point of return. No, no, no. Dude. I know. I'm just trying to set the scene. I was Damn setting it. the scene. I'm nah. setting the scene. Mary's all pissy because they didn't have her donut, her shitty ta- chocolate donut. Her today. shitty chocolate donut. <laughs> at the, at yeah, guys, I had to get store. fucking vanilla or whatever that plain. No, flavor. you got the cake donut with. Uh, yeah, but it was vanilla frosting. flavor. It was plain. It was like a plain whatever flavor. Because get glazed, dude. You you, you get got glazed. smoked in the bowl on glaze. <laughs> okay, you got smoked in every other bowl. Can okay. we bring up leaflet, please? I, I did. Ninety three. <laughs> percent verse seven okay whoever was that one person that probably voted was probably you thank you to the seven percent you're like thank you to me for making me the loser uh anyway so yeah i'm just sending the scene this guy was a very normal run-of-the-mill like somebody your neighbor right you see wave hi to there's nothing suspicious he's a very normal dude and a business owner who wanted and a business owner who like owned a successful muffler shop in town and probably knew a lot of people because of that because i mean if you have something like that you probably have a lot of townspeople coming and it was definitely a smaller town so it was very well known and you know and if you all if you are from a small town which joe and i are both are yeah you know we Word gets around, word spreads quickly about like who's moving who. And and also more importantly, you generally have a good old bit of corruption at the town leadership level. 100,000%. Town leadership because, level. And it's weird because it's like you think at a grander scale, and maybe there is a lot more corruption at like a New York City scale. Like I don't oh, know there how absolutely that, is. Right. But it's like at a... At a um, I think you just town see level? it more yeah, at it's a more small impactful. Town. Yeah, because you know who these people are. Well, your, your literal neighbors. neighbor could be yeah. on the. St- I mean, my dad, when I was growing up, when I was really, really little, was on our sewage board or something yeah. like that for our county. So, yeah, it's um. And if you don't play the game and play ball with them, well, it's politics. It's still politics. Right. And uh, you know, some towns are much better than others. I don't others, think they get paid but- though. I guess it depends I on think the county. They get paid? I don't. I, I truly don't know if that's, that's a volunteer. That's interesting to think about. But a lot of the time, I know it's you a have to run of, and be elected. Yeah, and a lot of the time, it's a good bit of Karens on the board. You know, sorry what I mean? if your name's Karen. I mean, it's just unfortunate at this point. But switch up. We're naming <laughs> our son Karen. <laughs> the the uh, you know the board in this case in this small town in Colorado was incredibly corrupt. Yeah, let me give you the deets. Yeah. So in 1992, Meyer purchased two acres of land from the Resolution Trust Corporation for 42, that's crazy, $42,000 for two acres to build a muffler shop. He subsequently agreed to sell the land to Cody Docheff, which he's in the- Docheck. Docheck. He's in the documentary, him and his brother, um, to build a concrete batch plant, Mountain Park Concrete. He sold it to them for $250,000. 
According to Susan Docek, Hemeyer changed his mind and increased the price to three hundred seventy-five thousand, then to a deal with approximately one to one million dollars. So he just kept kind of like increasing it. Yeah. And then this negotiation happened before the rezoning proposal was heard by the town council, meaning the sewage line and the whole like having to rezone that whole area for then to have a concrete. And correct plan. me if I'm wrong, but they were essentially making up the zoning rules as they went. Yeah. If I and and, and right. to give this to give you just like a like a like a watered down version, basically Hemeyer sold this plant or sold this area of land to the Dochecks. But I guess he didn't realize. Can you clarify? Did he not realize what they were building or what was the deal? No, it, it started to go south and the Dochecks had the, the town board. They were long history in the town. But and wasn't there something like he was some pissed? Some of the Dochecks were on the board. Wasn't he pissed off because the concrete plant was going to be right in front of yeah, his muffler he was, shop? Yeah, he was pissed because that was his road out as like a shortcut to his house. And then they were blocking the road. So he would have had to make a new road. And there was a bunch of little petty shit between the Dochecks and him that soured the deal. And basically, if I remember right, the Dochecks kind of wanted to just kind of take over that whole piece of property. And I will say, too, the Dochecks, if I remember right from the documentary, they they were pretty prominent in the community, had a couple other small businesses. Very wealthy. Oh, trash company. They had a trash company. Remember? I think so. That's and, what it was. And like I said, I'm pretty something. sure they were on the board as or well. Family or members. family members. I, I don't think they the were on the board or f- themselves like this uh, this Cody Ch- Docek. But anyway, in 2001, the Granby, Colorado Zoning Commission and Trustees approved the construction of the concrete plant, which sent Hemeyer into just a yeah. spiral. Hemeyer unsuccessfully appealed the decision, claiming the construction blocked access to his shop. He was subsequently fined $2,500 for not having a septic tank on his part of the property which for was his never muscular, an issue, muffler shop. Which was never an issue right. before. So now you're seeing like the pettiness. Like, okay, so you've had your muffler shop there for how long? Ni- since 1992. Well, and now you see... The, Nine years later. Now you see the abuse of political power where their version of punishment and reprimand is choice enforcement of these made-up rules that now we're going to kind of fine you out of your whole land right. in, in order to just kind of push you. And wasn't it... I mean, they, they. I think they make it seem not as big of a fine. Wasn't it like $2,500 a day or something insane? It was wild like that. It was like it a was, lot of money. It was a lot of money. And it was like... It would build up each day he didn't submit the permit or it get the permit. It was similar to all the COVID shit fines with restaurants where it was like, if you oh, stay open, yeah. it was like, we're going to just fine you out of existence, right. basically. Right. And, 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 oh, we should say too, that this guy, obvi- Hemeyer obviously was like pretty successful. He had money. Yeah. And also he was at this point in time trying to rebuttal all of this to the fullest legal extent of the law. He was going, yeah. he was making appeals. He was going to the town board meetings. He was saying, you know, Hey, you can't do this. You can't act like this. And the town hall was basically like, well, you know, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And, and that's where basically kind of like, issue, no, we're not doing what you want. Right. The Dochecks are going to get what you. they want and you're going to continue to lose money because yeah. of something now that we want to pit. Well, and next it was uh, like he had to get a whole water line 
brought out to his oh, property. Oh, that's what or it is. They like kept that. on leveling it up. So at first it started as just like a septic system and then it was like a water. Well, to get the septic system, he had to get the water line put in. And the water There's line like was like thing. crazy expensive. And mm-hmm. then they were like, well, you can't even have a business unless you have these two things according to our rules and all of these other things. And I believe the concrete plant was not only obstructing the business to his muffler shop, but it was making it like, I I could be wrong, but I remember there was complaints of it being like dirty and getting like a bunch of dust and debris oh, into his business yeah. and customers That's were trying right. to drive in and it was completely in the way. So it was causing a very heated dispute between the two businesses. And the documentary describes it a lot better than this wiki page because yeah. it made a lot more sense to me in the documentary what was going on. The wiki page, I don't think, does a great yeah. job and of we're, explaining it. we're really condensing this. There's yeah. quite a bit more and a quite longer battle that was going on. And really, it was Marvin Haymire against the entire town yeah. at this point. There were really a lot of people that were getting soured up. He had a lot of friends, but as far as the town board level, he didn't it, have it, much pool at all. And a because lot of people were Because we should say, too, salty. the dough checks, and they'll tell you in the documentary, were like, they obviously, like I said, they had other businesses, but they had been there for generations. Yes. I mean, like, dating like going all the way back well and they had said in the documentary that it was kind of like well you either bow down to them or you're gonna have problems yeah, exactly and if you don't play ball with us and give us the businesses that we want you, again you're gonna have problems we're gonna right. fine you we're gonna get the board on you and that's what they were give, doing i have to give the dough checks though some credit they did show up for that documentary and they were they were interviewed well yeah of course because no, they're the only I know, ones left I know, but I'm just saying they don't have to. They didn't. They, they could have just been the whole like we don't want to comment thing. No, they they did that to try to take the blame off themselves, in my opinion. To well, try to to unsour their name. But I mean, we should also mention mention that mainstream media, of course, does not think favorably of Marvin Haymire. Well, I mean, what Woody. he ultimately did was fucking crazy. So. Uh. No, it was fucking crazy. All right, so this is... I'm very excited to talk to you by the end of this. Okay, so this is about the point, his his breaking point. He has reached it. He is done. Yeah. He is free. He, it then, was in his hot tub that he came up oh, with Oh, that's right. That's right. Where he's staring off and he's kind of like, something needs to be done. Oh, wait. And he says, he says God told him in it's, his recording. It starts getting it's off recorded. the rails. Yes. Oh, I thought you were going to say that wasn't real. No, I was going to say it starts getting off the rails when instead of, he essentially starts switching it to a um, religiously, a faith drived view that God is telling him to telling build him this bulldozer. to do this. And because he is not being stopped doing it, it is God's will, basically. Right. So that's so. The, the epiphany he's having in his hot tub then leads him to go to this auction. Which he, that I would disagree with, of course. But What? Uh, oh, a faith-based. Yes. Yes, yeah, yes, I yes, think yes. that's pushing it a bit well, too Well, and I think if somebody under high pressure and stress is pushed to their limit and then I'd, who knows what, like, I'm not trying to speculate, but, well, then I won't say it. Never no. mind. Well, what do you speculate? I was just saying, like, I mean... Did, like was he on medication? I don't know. Was he on medication? I don't think was he, he was on medication because okay. I remember. And he didn't them, drink, or no, he was. He was pretty like straight. Um, it's just I, so I crazy think... to me that to go zero to sixty. Because like remember, that. all of his friends, his snowboarding buddies, were like, you know, he was a straight on dude, like wasn't on drugs or doing mm-hmm. anything crazy, and he did have a weird snowboarding trip prior to the event. 
um, because it was like he was kind of talking like it was going to be his last. I think they oh, thought he yeah. was he was suicidal in the way of, uh, you know, I hate to say it, like, like a normal suicidal as far as just taking his own life, you know, and they were just so fed right. Up. And they were nervous about that. I don't think they, they assumed that from that point it was going to be, who could know, have known that he was going to do did. what he did anyway. So he goes to this auction, he gets the, what's it Komatsu. called? Komatsu bulldozer. He starts to, he pulls it in unnoticed into his muffler shop. He buys it, and I think it was noticed that he bought a dozer, but it's like, you know, oh, yeah, like they saw a muffler shop. He had a lot of land. But so, yeah, he pulls it into his his muffler shop. And, excuse me, um, he referred to it as the MK tank in the audio recordings. And again, he fitted it with, he took the time to then fit it with armor months, plating, months and covering months. the cabin, the engine, and the parts of the tracks. In places, the armor was over one foot thick. Yeah, it, it 30 was centimeters no thick, consisting of 5,000 PSI something concrete mix, and sandwiched between sheets of tool steel to make ad hoc composite armor. This made the machine impervious to small firearms. Firearms and resistant to explosive, three external explosions, and more than 200 rounds of ammunition. Oh. Ammunition. Ammunition. But yeah, it's basically, I went too far ahead of myself there, but basically he was trying to make a tank. Well, and we should also mention that his first, what he viewed as a sign from God was getting the dozer at the price that he got it at, oh, which yeah. was like a total steal for Good what call. it was. He was getting the price that he got it at. He pulled it in. And I guess people noticed he pulled it in, but after that, it was he like, was he he had lost it too at that point because he was like sleeping in the muffler shop next to the dozer. Yeah, he wasn't leaving. He really. wasn't really leaving. Like it was, and he was. Oh, he had heaters because again, it's Colorado. Yeah. I think it was pretty. It was still winter. Yeah. So he's like got heaters in this muffler shop. He's sleeping there, and he's viewing all of these. And you can, you know, I'm actually I'm sure the full audio recordings are out there. I think somewhere. they are available. Uh, but so they they probably are out there you'd probably get a much better understanding of his motivations from listening to all those but i i at every step of the way he's viewing the fact that he's able to do this as once again god's will and he's not being stopped he therefore had, this is what he needs to do well and i think he stopped having like customers come through the muffler shop no he did you remember and so uh, the next thing is that he still had visitors into the muffler shop but he had like a big tarp, during tarp yes <laughs> and he during the thing, and he had a huge tarp over this tank. I mean, this this bulldozer is massive. It's yeah. a big old bulldozer, and he had tarps over it, and no one said anything or noticed it or even kind of batted an eye. And once again, that he was him that saying, okay, if somebody, if God didn't want me to do this, somebody would have stopped me already. So therefore, I'm going to... I'm going to continue to go ahead. I should say, too, for visibility, he um, added or fitted with several video cameras that were linked to two monitors that were mounted within the the dozer's dashboard Yeah. Um, inside. And also were behind, I think, like two-inch thick bulletproof yeah. glass. Yeah. And then he he added compressed air nozzles that were fitted to blow dust away from the video cameras. That's pretty, that's pretty solid, and they, Yeah, they were protected with clear bulletproof uh, like plexiglass, basically. Yeah. And this entire time, the town is continuing to fine him 
out of existence while these, um, you know, the septic tank isn't getting put in and all of these other things. He has an air conditioner in there. He has gun ports. He has, I mean. Yeah, he was, um, you know, of course, obviously a gun owner in this case because he did have guns in the car. I think he hunted. Uh, yeah, and he was just a gun dude. Um, you know, he he had them, um, and he had inside for all my gun guys out there. I'm pretty sure he had an FAL, a um, uh, 50 cal. I think he had a Barrett in there, and he had a Galil and a few other different rifles uh, just scattered throughout there. But the firing port, I believe, in the front, and and what did a lot of the firing was the Barrett 50 cal mm-hmm. out of the uh, out of the front of the dozer. Yeah. So, oh, so this part-time project took over a year and a half of yeah. It time was no joke. The amount of time. So we're. Oh, and then I should say too in the documentary, they go back to the girlfriend and kind of talking to her about he how he distant. acted. Yeah. So he got really distant and like started to kind of pull away. Yeah. And she felt like I think they even kind of broke up. They did. Yeah. Yeah. It was because then at that point he truly had nothing. Nothing else. The town took his... Actually, I think it was at that point, once again, that that was another no-going-back moment for him is that he, you know, the, the town was taking his business. They were taking his oh, livelihood. Oh, she broke up with him. Yeah, that's and what then it was. they split up, and at that point, he's got nothing else to live for and in his mind, and therefore, you know, this this is it. This is what he's going to do. And, you know, we're we're seriously speeding through all of that there's a lot in that year and a half that's going on of him building it and and all of those other things it's just you know it's a lot i think to talk about in one one episode well but. i mean how much more can you describe it as right it's now, it is what it is he was building a bull to a, a tank in secret yeah and now at this point um he there, there was no exit out of the killdozer. Yeah, it was good point. Uh, going to be basically, shut, he, basically he well he raised the top cab armor on top while he was in it. So there's no getting it out, there's no coming out of that. Once it was raised on there, that was it. And that's exactly when we have the rampage beginning is he finally finishes the dozer, got everything set up, sits inside, mounts the armor on top, and that's it. June um, 4th, 2004. He blows through the side of his building with a literal tank. Yeah. Drove his armored bulldozer through the wall of his former business, the concrete plant, the town hall, the office of the local newspaper. Well, you're getting you're getting a little quick here because he... I'm just trying to say how many buildings he had hit. Right. He started by going after the concrete plant. Yeah. And, and we that's, sh- yeah. that's well, where law enforcement was called in. Yeah. And he just like... He just... Well, and like, so he starts going at the concrete plant and Docek, Cody Docek, comes out with one of his bulldozers, I believe, or it was like a smaller thing. I don't really know construction equipment, but it was smaller than the bulldozer to try and tip it or like turn it over or whatever, because he's... Haymeyer is destroying his whole... Property, his whole business, everything is coming down. And Cody Docek did not get it successfully turned over, obviously. And I believe Docek had a small revolver or something like that and was shooting at the dozer. And then Haymeyer started shooting back with a 50 cal. 
And of course, that was, you know, a big issue. So they pulled away at that point. I well, believe. okay, to be fair, would you not be shooting at someone that was destroying your property? Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying, oh, I'm, okay. I mean, I'm saying he was an asshole to begin with, and yeah, he's probably yeah, getting, sure. you know, uh, a oh, little taste of karma there, but the when it comes to the first uh, law enforcement responders on the scene, I believe it was the state police of the area that first responded, and these dudes are... <laughs> getting out of their cars and are seeing a literal tank. Like there is no visible ports to fire at. It is one solid rock of just steel. taking apart this yeah. building. And, and it literally, it just, if you see the video, like it just rips through. Yeah, like with without a with doubt. With no, with ease. Like yeah. it's like, it's like cutting paper. It's just ripping so, through it all. So they're calling in backup and at this point they're firing at it and that's doing literally nothing. And it was actually, that was the first time that Haymeyer started actually returning fire at law enforcement. So he did shoot at law enforcement. I thought you just said he returned fire at Docek. Well, I know I'm saying like towards... Oh, at law enforcement. Yeah, at law enforcement. So, you know, now it's kind of accelerating past the point, <laughs> Oh, obviously. the dozer wasn't enough. No, I mean, now we're <laughs> Now getting, it's really now bad. We're, yeah, now it's it's getting out there. And, uh, oh, my God. So, uh, of course, those rounds did not hit. A little bit of a spoiler alert there. Uh, you know, no individual died other than Haymire. Mm -hmm. It was just uh, property damage. So the rounds were, I think, like ricocheting off the off the ground. And it was speculated, of course, no one knows, but it was speculated that it was more, you know, not that this is uh, any better, but he was like kind of getting them away. So he was shooting it towards the ground or into the other areas so that he could then continue on into the town. In other words, not shooting directly at the individuals but yeah, i could be I don't, wrong on i that. don't feel like it was probably his motivation to kill anybody i think it was more even if it was damage. called a kill dozer well i don't they, think it was trying i think it was that just, was media name yeah that, and i think it was just trying to like kind of get that revenge that he wanted because he had planned out all those those buildings i had mentioned where you were like oh you're going ahead it was like he had each building he hit, he hit for a reason. Yes, it was all owned by the Docheks or, or owned the by the town. Town, yeah. And uh, you know, so then the dozer continues into the town, and we're looking at a total of over two hours yeah. that this was freely going on, and the entire time he is methodically picking apart each one of these buildings. And I think they rubble. evacuated. They tr they immediately sent an evacuation notice to the town. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so they, uh, they most people... They reversed the 911 system, yeah, the dispatch yeah. system. So it, I would imagine that means it actually called yes. all the town members yes. and, and gave them the warning Because, of course, at town. that time, 2004, it's not like you have an iPhone where you can, like, get, right. you know, a notification. Like, you know yeah. you how you get those Amber Alert notifications yeah, pushed? Right. But um, hey, also... Hey, heads up, there's a large tank destroying the town. <laughs> Well, and the thing is, too, um, oh, shoot, I totally forgot what I was going to say. Well, he's, you know, and <laughs> it's it's worth noting, and, and I did, I think I read in the in the wiki page here oh, I remember. Uh, that he he said something about actually killing the Dochecks, I believe, in the process or wanting to. I'm sure to. he did. I'm pretty sure that they may have been on the list of kind of, you know, what's going down after the buildings were destroyed. 
Um, but he he did want to inf- inflict enough property damage that it was going to severely ruin the town. Ruin the town. Yeah, I remember what I was going to say. So at this time, at this point, fill us in on where we are with like uh, law enforcement. So they are frantically, Escalate. yeah, frantically trying to figure out what. Because remember, because... there's probably like what twenty state police officers at this yes. point. Nothing that could yeah. ever possibly come up. Against and this. they now have SWAT there. They have all local police there. They have police helicopters there. There is literally no way with what they have on hand to penetrate this tank. There's absolutely no way to do it. They are firing rifles at it. Of course, handguns are not doing anything. Rifles are not doing anything. No other bulldozers are, are yeah. going to stand up and to it. From a, a shooting standpoint, you have this moving thing. Oh, if they tried to put cars in front of it, you'll see he just yeah, rolls oh yeah, right, right over, over it. it. Right over it. And then on top of that, he was smart in the way that his viewing ports, like they had absolutely no idea how he was seeing through this so they could it was like a little two inch hole that he was seeing through in multiple angles so well, no, they he weren't had able, cameras yeah but they were blocked i'm saying they were behind hidden underneath bulletproof glass yeah. so it wasn't easy oh to you're see. saying that the law enforcement wasn't it wasn't obvious to them they were like how does he doing this yeah, yes right, and right, so right. in other words they couldn't shoot and disable those cameras oh no there was no penetration there's no penetrating it again because as well, he locked himself in. Right. So there, it's not even like, because one of the officers got on top of it while it was going oh, to right. try and find a way into it. So he's shooting the top of it. They did throw, I believe, multiple like concussion grenades and other explosive devices around the tank uh, or the, the bulldozer. It's basically a tank. It's the same thing. <laughs> And it it did nothing to the outside of it. It did not even make it budge an inch. I would I will inside. say though too, like most of these buildings, like as much as they did to try to get people to evacuate, like there were some buildings where there were people in the minutes before it was hit. without a doubt. Yeah. There was like the one building he hit was a library, and there was like a children's group. In yes, there. there was, and like, that I think uh, most definitely. Um, it is somewhat of a miracle that there were no innocent yes. bystanders that were not part of this debacle. I don't even think anyone was really that injured. No, no one was. Everyone got out. But, you know, th- there were people immediately in these buildings, and Haymeyer would have had absolutely no idea if those people had gotten out or were still in there, and he's plowing through the whole thing regardless. So I think he probably assumed that, you know, that was going on. Um, and that people got out, probably yeah, that's not. Up. It I is mean, that's most fucked definitely. Up. Uh, fucked Could you up. imagine if your kid was at the library? Oh, without a doubt, without a and doubt. This yeah. Big bull, you know, like that's. And uh, I should also mention, I can't remember if it was before or after those propane tanks. Oh, <gasps> that's right. He started a huge fire. No, no, oh. he didn't. He tried to. Oh, that, that he, but was... he did. He did destroy the main gas line in the mayor's building or something. Yeah. And plowing the whole thing down. Right. The, he tried. So there was a, a gas thing or whatever with a bunch of very gas large line. Uh, or gas line into some tanks. It was like a like, um, I can't remember what it's called. If uh, you if you were to have like a gas heat or something, but, but a, it's like to for, for a big town. building for a town. Yeah. yeah. So there was a bunch of these propane tanks and he staged the dozer next to them um, and was firing 
with his rifles at the propane tanks to try and ignite an explosion to destroy that whole energy thing. Yeah, I think they said something in the documentary. Like, if that would have gone... It would have been bad. It would have been... It would have destroyed that whole town no, ba- no matter... Not like, the whole town, but that whole square area around that propane. What was the thing then about the mayor trying to call in... Yeah, air so, in, air reinforcement or something. Yeah, so it they uh, got essentially, so desperate. Essentially, I think it was the governor of Colorado was attempting to make the decision to call in military intervention and have an airstrike. That's what it on was. the vehicle. So he's like, okay, we have no ability, we have no weapons at our disposal to stop this. So therefore, should we bring in aircraft, military aircraft, and hit a missile at this? But he ended up deciding against that because the risk of a a potential miss or something else could have done far more damage to the town than what he was doing with the dozer. Which, you know, it's not like he's quickly doing this. Because at this point, I mean, imagine if you're part of the law enforcement team that's trying to attack this what what are your options Uh, well first of all it was out of their hands at that point i mean i think i mean yeah they can just watch it happen at that there's that's kind of what they did and i i found the part they the um well where is oh one officer like dropped a flashbang bang grenade down the bulldozer's exhaust pipe with no apparent it did effect. nothing. <laughs> Crazy. So, yeah, and and I think at this point, the decision that they made was to just simply evacuate everyone that they could, and that was kind of what they viewed as, okay, we can't stop this from yeah. happening, so let's just get everyone out of the town as quickly as possible and make sure that, you know, we, no lives are lost. In so the what case. was the demise of the Killdozer? Ultimately, I'll it tell was you the, name. the uh, hardware well, store. Yeah, Gamble's Hardware Store. So in the documentary, it talks about how he Heemeyer was going to all these buildings. But that were owned by the town or the Dochex. That were owned by the town or Dochecks, but he hit this hardware store, but forgot that there... It had there, a basement. You know what? I'm sorry. I thought you were lining you know? that up for me to hit. What? Okay, say it. Ugh. Yeah, he forgot that there was a basement. So he started to destroy this building just like all the others. And then you see from an aerial like recording, his the bulldozer just kind of like slowly like sinking into this basement and it's stuck. Yeah, one of complete. the treads is stuck. Yeah. So this is kind of like his demise of the of the killdozer. And also I, I can't remember if it's from Oh, and then the, from there, the engine failed and the radiator had been damaged. Um, yeah. The engine was like leaking fluids everywhere. Well, and I can't, I can't remember if it was from the crash into the basement that caused that to happen or just from I the think gun it was gunfire the and the damage and everything. I think it was the crash because, again, the way he angled down into the basement, it, it was kind of like face. It. it was kind of like front down. Yeah. The front of the dozer just kind of like started to like, because he, he went into it full well thinking yeah. that there was no basement. So, I feel like they could have like IED'd the bottom of that thing to get it to That would have been a good idea. Because that, that was the only part that didn't really have armor, to my understanding. But I also don't yeah, know how don't bulldozers know. work. Maybe they're like super Well, Well, no. It's like, how do you get to the bottom of it? Because it's so low. You don't. I mean, when I said IED, you just lay explosives on the road or whatever and, and you know, try to get them to go over it. That would have been my... That would have been my... I mean... 
God, you got to try it. Yeah, I don't know. You know, uh, so, so how much damage was done? Well, no, about a minute later after he got stuck into the basement, one of the SWAT team members who had swarmed around the machine reported hearing a single, single gunshot from inside the sealed cab. It was then later determined that Hemeyer had shot himself in the head. How um, long did it take them to get inside to get to the body? Yeah, police first used explosives in an attempt to remove the steel plates, but after the third explosion failed, they cut through them with an... Oh, I can't say that word. Something... A cutting torch. Authorities were able to access and remove Hemeyer's body at 2 a.m. on June 5th, the next day. So it took them like over 10 That's hours... absolutely to insane. ...to get into the cab... He ultimately dozer. he ultimately destroyed thirteen buildings, um, estimating around seven million dollars, which I think that's a low number. That is kind of low for what you would assume. But I guess it was two thousand four. I don't know seven million dollars in damage. Um, in addition to, you know, so we had talked about him recording himself. In addition to writings that he left on the wall of the shed that he was working in, he might recorded three audio tapes explaining his motivation for the attack. He then mailed these to his brother in South Dakota shortly before stepping into this bulldozer. Hemeyer's brother turned the tapes over to the federal, the FBI, who in turn sent them to the Grand County Sheriff's Department. The tapes were about two and a half hours in length, and the first recordings were made on April 13th, 2004. The last recording was made on May 22nd, 13 days before the rampage. Yeah. And again, he was quoted saying, God, Hemeyer was quoted saying, God built me for this job. He said that in his very first recording. Yeah. He also said it was God's plan that he not be married or have a family so that he could be in a position to carry out such an attack. Yeah. He's quoted saying, I think God will bless me to get the machine done, to drive it, to do the stuff that I have to do. God blessed me in advance for the task that I am about to undertake. It is my duty. God asked me to do this. It's a cross that I am going to carry and I'm carrying it in God's name. Yeah, it definitely pushes it a bit there. And And they actually found... Sorry to cut you off. No, that's fine. Investigators later found Hemeyer's handwritten list of targets, including the buildings he destroyed, the local Catholic church, which he actually didn't get to damage, and the names of various people who set, who had sided against him in past disputes. So that's probably where you're getting the whole Docek thing. Yeah. He actually did have names on some sort of targeted list. Notes found by the investigators after the incident indicated that the primary motivation for the bulldozer rampage was his plan to stop the concrete plant from being built near his shop. Um, quoted saying, I was always willing to be reasonable until I had to be unreasonable. Sometime reasonable men must do unreasonable things. Let's get into our feelings. The film, by the way, that me and Mary were talking about was called Tread. Oh, yes. Was Was it on Netflix? uh, It was just a documentary uh, film, and it was in 2019. And I think, if I remember right, it was actually on Hulu. It was like out there in a few places. It's either like Hulu or Amazon. It's really worth it because it 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 does a lot better job. And it's, well, I don't don't mean to cut you off. It's very like just factually based. There's not really a lot of like... I would say it was pretty objective. Yes. They got both sides of the story. They did, yeah. They got his close friends and family. They had some of the town board at the time interviewed. The Docheks were interviewed. They had the live footage of him destroying the the town. Yeah. Um, Oh, the police officers that were first called were interviewed. So it's a decent documentary. Oh, that's weird. There's a 2014 Russian film. It's inspired by a story called Leviathan. 
Interesting. Interesting. Um, but yeah, let's let's get into our feelings. What do you got? What are your feelings? What do you got? What's no, your feelings? I want to yell at you first. <laughs> I want to. That was a good stretch. I want. What do we say when the dogs are big? There's <laughs> big this. There's this real or TikTok if or whatever. If you don't say big stretch when your dog is stretching, I, you're going to hell. You're dude. a serial killer. <laughs> no. So. Okay, fine. I'll start. Yeah, you start. Um, he was he had lost his mind. He had a, <laughs> he had a he had a mental breakdown and he um had a ner- nervous breakdown, whatever you want to call it, and he lost it. And um, I do think that there were probably drugs and alcohol involved. No, no sane person that was so normal just months I mean, if before. If you lose your mind, maybe they're not sane anymore. Yeah, I guess, but like. I don't know. I think there was something else involved here. I ha- I swear I remember, and maybe I'm just making it up, but I swear I remember in the documentary something about drinking. I Maybe drinking. Maybe I, drinking. I swear. Yeah, I could be wrong on that. I but swear I, there was something about him being an alcoholic and then stopping drinking. Maybe it was that. Yeah, and like yeah. he was sober, and then he picked it back up. I don't know. Regardless, this was obviously, and I'm not trying to be biased to anybody yeah. i get that everyone has a breaking point i understand yeah. that but that does not mean that you could you you're you can do this yeah this is not okay and no it's not funny i'm not I, it's I, not funny because the fact is a whole town got destroyed and so many people could have died if they were just minutes behind in their in their communication to get out yeah minutes behind they could have died like like probably in the hundreds yeah so this is and not to mention that a very normal man who again in the documentary it's really sad to see him with this relationship because it was a great relationship she wanted to get married like yeah this very normal likable guy and he just loses it and then his life ends up he lo- he he ends up taking his own life in the end. It's sad. It's very sad. It is sad. That's the whole thing sure. is sad. I I agree. It is sad. Why do I think it's fucked up that the town is manipulative and they take advantage of him and they're fining him like thousands of dollars a day for something you know minuscule? Yes. Do I think that these manipulative evil people ever thought that it would lead to this? Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't. I don't think they. I think they just got a power trip going, and they were like, "Oh well, I'm on the town fucking sewage board, whatever the hell, and I'm gonna do what I want." And I don't think, yeah. whatever, whatever. Go ahead. Whatever. Go ahead. This is what why I you... didn't want to go first because I wanted you to go first, and I wanted to just attack you. Okay, psycho. So it, <laughs> it's that pregnant mind. She's <laughs> smiling like, "Yeah, I'm gonna attack you." Oh, I love arguing. <laughs> but it. <laughs> I I I am I I, I have out. I have a few different angles I think oh, on this I have a few different angles so mind you I took two seconds to tell this mine. this is of course very large in the freedom slash gun community you know we have all the memes of tread on them and and the Gadsden flags with the killdozer on it and all of these other things and I think it was also you know kind of really pushed in the media the word killdozer you know and i think this has just, nothing to do with firearms no it it doesn't it's it has everything to do with anti-government rhetoric which is very large in okay. the in the gun community you said something, 
Oh, okay. That's, you know, that's all I'm saying is in the, you know, not the the NRA loving community, but no, the I'm just I saying. hate tyrants community. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think a few interesting points from this is to understand the inefficiency of, you know, law enforcement, especially local law enforcement, if they actually are pushed to this point. I think the power that law enforcement holds over the people is actually rather low. And you can see that time and time again when you have even a slightly trained or motivated individual with the tools to their disposal, the entire police department literally falls apart. With okay, no- so I would agree I would agree with, t- with you to an extent. I think that this was a lesson for law enforcement all over the country to get your you know, scenarios in line for what if and I wouldn't be prepared. Even, I wasn't even going to that. I was saying that it's a lesson in authoritarian government to remember the power of the people and to remember the destruction that can come from pushing the people to the point of no return. Yeah, but unfortunately, the law enforcement that were there, they weren't the ones that pushed him. No, and that's but the shit of you it. Are, and that's you the sh- are, I know, but I'm just saying it's shitty that the law enforcement that were not involved technically in this had to go clean up a mess of a town's board who were safely away. Yeah. That's shitty to me. I mean, if it is. They also chose that job. No, 100%. You know? I'm just saying, like, I'm saying I think law enforcement is there for a reason, and there are, you know, Whatever. There's th- th- this is a sensitive topic, but basically, I'm just trying to say I think this was a lesson to a lot of probably local law enforcement or state law enforcement to have their what ifs and their crisis yeah. scenarios in check for, you know, they probably didn't have in in the binder what if somebody builds a well, a tank. And I primarily am coming at this from the point, and why I said I'm coming at it from a few different angles is I think the the one thing that is I, I I don't want to say good about this because it was bad. You know, I mean, I I am not going to sit there and deny the fact that a lot of innocent people could have lost their lives and a lot of innocent people came probably minutes away from being wrongfully killed by this person. And somebody that it's, could have lived out the rest of their life. Without a doubt. And somebody who had In another their life, state, they could he could have moved. Right. Had his life abruptly changed. I do think that from my political standpoint, I cannot stand government and I most definitely cannot stand government abuse and corruption. And it is sometimes kind of, you know, like there's a small sense of they got put in their place. That is, you know, nice to see. But do you think that that changed anything? I mean, I don't know. It might have stopped no. them from finding the no. shit out of somebody again. I don't think it did. I mean, you know. I really don't think shit, it did. Shit, if I was sitting on the town board, I'd be like, mm, No, because what they know? did is they probably, if they did find people, they probably just tell local law enforcement, keep an eye on this person. I think this had no effect on local government corruption at all. I that's don't a, think that's this a good, ta- good taught point. them any lessons. And at the end of the day, some somebody like took their own life for what? Yeah. And, and cause damage to 13 well, buildings. Well, and then you become a martyr because, you know, of course, you're, you what you think is your actual message is not going to be really displayed to the public in a light that you think it's going to be displayed Yeah, in. you know, there were a lot more effective ways and, and, and in my opinion, um, 
you know, ways to go about this. A, he could have exposed the government, the local government somehow in a more like, you know, national way. He could have, um, you know, started a, a petition. He could have started a group. I mean, all of these things are obviously not as lethal, if you will, as a, as a bulldozer, but I'm just saying there were a lot more productive and efficient things that could have been done. How about just move? I, I get, I, I understand. It's coming you, I, at no, it. No, I understand yeah. that you can't just bow down to these people. I totally get and well, that. Well, and that's what everyone but, is like, you know, tread on them because it's finally nice to see somebody saying, fuck you to 100%. local government. And like, you know, you're not going to fucking put us. But what was accomplished? Right. I, I, and I don't disagree with that. It's just, that's where the, you know, I don't think anybody's coming at it from a position of like, man, I'm glad a bunch of people almost died. No. It's coming at it from a position, you know, when like you they see deserve, COVID restrictions yeah, shutting a business down, it's like you're finally like, you know what? No, you're going to fucking suck Okay, that's suck a great point. Dick. So, okay, COVID restrictions shutting down restaurants and a bunch of restaurants banding together and saying we're staying open. That's an effective uh, approach. They stayed yeah. open. They they wanted to keep that. They 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 supported each other. People in the town that wanted to support them supported Unifying them. Unifying is definitely the way. That's for different. Sure. That is a completely different scenario in my mind than this. I, this is isolating. This is isolating yourself and not yeah. seeking help from people who loved and cared about you. He had a lot of people in that town that loved and cared about him. Friends, fellow small business owners, his yeah. girlfriend at the time, who they had friends of friends. He had been in that community for a very long time yeah. and was a small business owner himself. So Maybe I'm not called on the others in the community. Exactly. To, you know. Like I just think that there was something that could have been done differently that was not this. And I think this is a very, ex very good expression of a mental health issue that somebody lost their mind and yeah. they isolated themselves and they did everything wrong, I would say, in... And it just fueled the fire, right? Isolating yourself into a small space. He never left that place. He was working on that day and night for how many how many weeks, how many months. He was probably drinking, like we said, we think that there was something to do with alcohol. He was broken up with his girlfriend. So he doesn't have any kids. Left. He has no yeah. family around him other than his brother in South Dakota. So it's like that to me is a cry for help. I agree. And no one saw that. Honestly, honestly. Part of me is like, where the fuck was everybody? <laughs> yeah. Like, where were all your friends? Where was your girlfriend? Why wasn't your girlfriend kind of coming in? And I'm not trying to blame hey, anybody. What's, what are you hey, doing? Hey, like, you're acting strange, and I really Ooh, get... that seems to be a tank back yeah. there. <laughs> oh, what's that big tarp? What's that big tarp with the metal underneath of it? Oh, don't worry about it. Okay. Like, I, I, I just, I feel like someone, in the, in the amount of time that this was being done someone could have tried to I, step in. I agree. I, I do agree with, you know, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. And I do think there are, there, there could have been solutions to this problem that may have led to maybe a, a real way to stop the town from future corruption and getting others involved and, you know, pushing back with, with, you know, I'm not saying vote harder sort of thing. I'm saying no. seriously banding together with the town and saying, okay, what, what are we going to do? Yeah. What are we going to do? Whether it's uh, not political and something else or whatever to get this to stop. Are we going to boycott the dough checks? Yeah. Businesses? Like, something, like, I don't know, something, something, you know, and, and I do think, um, you know, there are times in our history where violence, was used like if we do a later episode on the battle of athens where you know there were firearms used and there was violence used but it was it was warranted in that situation in that time 
I do think once again, I I do think that instances like this, even as for even if it's for a split second, causes whether it's the federal government or local government to at least have a hiccup in their thinking of like, oh wait, we can't just push these people as much as we want to push them and have them just eat it. You know, I do think there was still a sense of that. Even I think that's what they were hoping for. And I will agree that to your point looking at the town now watching the documentary now it really didn't do anything as far as how the town is running no and i running. think all these people that were on the opposing side of hemeyer said oh he's psycho which which again to your point is accurate in the way of like okay well you know this destruction him taking his own life ultimately did not end in any sort of a positive um freedom sort of no, thing for he the town. died. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be a totally like, different... Like, what is freedom? What is so... What What well, is I, so, like, I, I don't... I like... also think it would be a totally different conversation if it was like, um, you know, well, the town board was dismantled and, the you know, the everyone in the town doesn't live under the dough checks anymore and they went and lived somewhere else or whatever. Then I could definitely be like, okay, well, I mean, you know, he kind of... He smoked them, but in this case, not much changed. Really, it was it's the exact same town that it was. And and we, you know, we're not obviously like local to this area, so we don't know how the board is doing these days, and if they have changed their ways, or, or if they did have a second thought or whatever. But yeah, and I'm, I mean, I for for their sake, I hope they they've put in place more regulation within their government to with. I'm saying not with the people. I'm saying more regulation to the elected people or shrinking for the or government shrinking. But there. I'm saying more of a controlled like. You can't just find somebody repeatedly for days on end because they don't have a septic tank that they've had they haven't had for ten years. Like yeah. stuff like that that can get caught. Yeah. And and can get like, wait a minute, this isn't okay. Yeah. I hope that there were things put in place for that to control the government at this point. Because again, I agree with you. The government should the the, the control shouldn't be as much on the people as it should be on the government. They are elected officials by the town to serve the town. Right. They are not serving the town in the right way by doing what they did to Hemeyer. Yeah. But also Hemeyer is not serving the town by destroying thirteen buildings and almost killing hundreds of people and killing himself yeah that's I, my point i I, th I think you actually have a very well-based wow point. I, I do i, I think Damn you it, did say it. something else i want to fight with you no i'm I, kidding we're, I, we're i'm already, glad we're i think that was actually a pretty freaking good description of yeah of the killdozer it makes event. me want to watch that documentary over we again. should it was it was good i'm sure we'll probably watch and be like oh yeah there's we'll, all this we'll shit remember we forgot. a lot but <laughs> Just but, like Ruby Ridge, though we talked about Ruby Ridge in the first in the first uh, Hidden History. There's a great documentary on that. Yeah, uh, Waco has a great mini series, and now this one has a good documentary. So as we wrap up this episode, I do want to. <laughs> You're like, shut the fuck up. No, this, please. As we wrap up this this episode, I do want to throw a question out to you because if you're listening to this point you are a hardcore listener and i would very much appreciate a dm in our instagram as a yes or no on this episode topic but we were potentially I'll put a poll out too we were potentially considering doing a topic on freemasonry i am mm. i have a good bit of knowledge and and interesting theories and questions about it and it's difficult because that is targeting something in our episodes that I'm sure, you know, a lot of people out there, I mean, they may have family members that are, and they may, you know, we, we don't want to seriously offend our viewers. You know, we, we spread the truth on here, but we also don't want to push too far 
to, you know, sour our cherished This is supposed listeners. to be entertainment. This isn't supposed to be right. insulting. We, we don't want to... We're also it, not like a news organization. Yeah, we don't want to insult you guys. That's who we're mainly concerned about. So, so let us know. Would that be something that you guys would want to hear an episode about or would not want to hear an episode about? Or would you like a part two for time travel? I I, I think we should do that part two. Time I'm travel. Not, I'm not doing it. So let us know with that. And that is going to wrap up this third Hidden Histories episode. Of course, check out the links, do your own research, and as always, stay tuned for more great content coming soon. Thank you.